Okay, right. Okay, Acts chapter 1. We're just going to work through it verse by by verse as we so often uh, do. Uh, And Acts chapter 1, it says, In my former book, Theophilus. So in my former book, this, who's this guy? My former book is Luke. Okay, he wrote the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke. And actually, many people think that actually Luke and Acts is is really part of one work, maybe two parts, but one uh, body. It's written by this guy, Luke. Uh, Luke was a doctor. Uh, So he was a well-educated man, very well-educated. He would have, uh, uh, well, he was a Gentile, so he wasn't a Jew, so he wasn't part of the nation of Israel. He wasn't one of God's uh, people in that regard, but he was a Gentile who had become a follower of Jesus. He hadn't grown up in the faith in that regard, but had become a follower of Jesus. Uh, He was a co-worker with the Apostle Paul. As well. So, as we navigate through the book of Acts, which really uh, um, tells us the first 30 or so years of church history, we're really getting an eyewitness view to it, or at least where Luke would have one on one conversations with Paul and other disciples to find out what happened there, what happened here, or I saw this here, I saw this happening. So, we've got a really reliable eyewitness account here and from a well-educated man. It says, uh, what does he say? My former book. So really, the book of uh, Luke, it unpacks really the the beginnings of what Jesus did and said while he was on earth. And the book of Acts then uh, moves and transitions to Jesus. He's ascended. He's gone to be with the Father. What happens after that? That's his two-part work. We read there, the recipient is this guy called Theophilus. Theophilus. This guy, we don't necessarily know a huge amount about him. Okay, we don't know a huge amount about him. There are numbers of theories, numbers of things that that uh, people he could have been. Uh, So some of the options are that he could have been a Roman official. He could have been a wealthy man. He might have even been a Jewish high priest at the time. He could have been a Roman lawyer. The Apostle Paul, who traveled around preaching the gospel, starting churches, strengthening uh, churches. Um, He could have been, uh, when he was in prison and needed uh, defending, needed a lawyer, it could have been this guy, Theophilus, who was defending him. That's one of the uh, options put forward. But what we do know is Luke's reason for writing to this guy, Theophilus. So we might not know much about him, but we do know why uh, Luke is writing. And if you turn back with me to Luke, so literally just back one, one book to Luke uh, chapter uh, 1 and verses 3 to 4, it says this, With this in mind, since I myself, so Luke is speaking of himself, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you. So he's speaking to, uh, to, the, to the church, to, to the people of God, but to Theophilus uh, specifically. I myself have carefully investigated. I too decided to write an orderly account for you so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. So this guy, Theophilus, he, he had obviously heard the gospel. He had responded uh, to it probably or was searching and investigating. And Luke wants to put forward an orderly, historical, detailed account 
as I said earlier, this Luke's a well-educated man, a scientific man, someone who would not just think, oh, I'm just going to blind faith believe in this Jesus. No, he was a reasoned man. He put Jesus through uh, like eyewitness accounts, uh, historical documents, speaking to this person, speaking to that person, finding out more. So we've got a really good account written to Theophilus, and it's uh, the purposes that Theophilus might know the certainty of the gospel that he has heard. So as we read through Acts, I want you guys and, and us together to be assured of the account that we are reading. And the purpose of it, as we go through and as we read story after story, is for us to actually be assured of the gospel that we have believed. If you've believed it and you've put your faith and your trust in Jesus, that this can add block upon block to your faith and, sh- and strengthen and encourage you in your faith in Jesus. Okay, let's read Uh, A few more verses back in Acts. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. So the Gospel of Luke centered around this person, Jesus. And it talks in there about Jesus' suffering. And when the Bible talks about Jesus' suffering, it's really focusing in upon the work of Jesus on the cross. On those last few hours, those last few days, when Jesus experienced a huge amount of uh, intense persecution, separation from his friends, he experienced the suffering of the cross, where he took on the sins of mankind, that he might make a way for mankind to come back to him, for you and I to have a relationship with our maker. It's this Jesus who suffered for us. This is the gospel that we have to proclaim. If you're a disciple of Jesus, this is the gospel that we have to share with others. It's that Jesus entered into human history, that he became a man. He died on our behalf. He took our place that we might have life and life in all of its fullness. This is the gospel that we believe. This is the gospel that we treasure as disciples. This is the gospel that we are to hold on to firmly and wholeheartedly, and we are to share with others. Okay, right, verse 4. On one occasion, while, so it's, we're now getting into a specific scenario, a specific situation, a specific event in Jesus's life. On one occasion, while he, Jesus, was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. 
Okay, so we're really at the end of Jesus' life. Jesus will be thinking, what are the final things that I need to and should share with... uh, Don't get distracted. This is really important. Hey, beautiful one. Oh, you're okay. (laughs) At home, she's a right mother's girl. She doesn't really want to be with me, so uh, that's lovely. Um, Okay, so um, Jesus' final days... What he's thinking about what he's going to share with his disciples. What are the words that I want to leave them with? So these are really vital words. What Jesus says here, actually, we as disciples 2,000 years ago need to hold on to really tightly and treasure these words. And what does he say, say to them? Well, to them he says, do not leave Jerusalem. Obviously, we've, we've left Jerusalem. Uh, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Jesus knew that he was going to leave and he was going to send his Holy Spirit to be uh, an empowerer, to be uh, his counselor, to be his presence on the earth to ensure that the disciples would carry out the great commission that he had given them. And the great commission was to make disciples of all nations to make disciples of all nations. And these were just a a group of men, some educated, some not so educated uh, men who who were just local people. They'd never traveled beyond their locality. They'd never left their family. And yet God was giving them an incredible vision for the great commission that he had for them. And he wanted them before that, before they went out, to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. He recognized and he knew that they had no chance of fulfilling this great commission without the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to see this again and again as we work through Acts. Is the Holy Spirit's work in bringing about the Great Commission to its initial, uh, into its initial stages of seeing people saved and added into the church. It's so, so important. If you take anything away uh, from today, please take away that as, as, we, as we share about the Great Commission, as we share about making disciples, that we cannot do that in our own strength. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit to be at work in our lives. We need the Holy Spirit to be at work in the midst of us as we gather on Sundays, as we gather in life groups and in other settings. We need the Holy Spirit's power. If you're tired of witnessing, if you feel that you just can't, you don't know what to say to people, if you feel like just your relationships with those who don't know Jesus have just dried up and you haven't really got those relationships... Let me encourage you, it's the Holy Spirit's power at work in you that will reignite the flame and the passion to see others saved. And I'd say that we all need that. We all need encouraging in this area. I need encouraging, you guys need encouraging. We do because it it slips, faith slips, expectation slips. We get discouraged by a conversation that went bad. We struggle in this area, don't we? Do it, anyone else? Yeah, we struggle. 
But rather than struggling on, rather than pulling up our bootstraps and, and pressing on and thinking, I've just got to try harder, I've got to do this more, actually, there'll be some of that, but the first place we need to come back to is praying to be filled with the Spirit's power. In Ephesians, it says to go on being filled with the Holy Spirit. It's not a one-time deal. It's not a sense of, obviously, we've all got the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of us. But actually, if we're encouraged and commanded to go on being filled, then actually there should be a regular sense where we're praying, Jesus, send your Spirit. Send your Holy Spirit power to fill us anew. We need your power. We drain the presence of the Holy Spirit in that regard. Not the presence of the Spirit, but the empowering power of God in our lives. Sin gets in the way, bad habits. We just lose uh, habits of time with God and seeking Him and being drenched in Him. Other things get in the way, other priorities. Life gets busy. We need to keep coming back to him. We can do that in our own times, making times daily to be with Jesus, making good quality time to be with Jesus. It's great to, you know, have worship music on when you're cooking and stuff like that, or to listen to God's word, or to, uh, you know, as you're going about your day, maybe listening to a podcast or singing and praying that. Those are all good things, but make sure that you get good quality time with Jesus. Now, that might just, for us, it's like trying to just capture five minutes quiet just with Jesus. But it's, it's, at those times, it's reconnecting with, a, making sure that we're reconnecting and knowing we're reconnecting with a person, the person of Jesus. And it's, it might just be in those moments of just going, Jesus, I need you. I love you. Just, just bearing your heart, settling your heart before Jesus. Not coming with a list of stuff or do's and stuff and things like uh, that, that you just, you know, like, oh, I wish I was better there. I wish I was doing more there. Or I need to be doing more there. Coming to Jesus. He loves you. He's for you. He's tender towards you. When Jesus describes himself, he says that he's gentle. He's gentle. He's humble of heart. He's approachable. Find time to be with Jesus, to seek his Holy Spirit. Do it in life group. Guys, get, make sure you're connected into life group. Make sure you're getting along every week if you can. Gathering with other Christians, praying with and for one another. Praying to be filled with the Holy Spirit. These are precious times. As you guys are in Radiate, pray for one another to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Parents, pray for your kids to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Let's be praying for one another as well. What's the purpose of all this? What's the, the, what's the, what's the reason? What, why is Jesus so focusing in there? Why, why is he saying, don't leave Jerusalem? The disciples might have thought, look, we're... What's, what are you doing about the mission that you've got for us? Why can't we just crack on with it? 
He says, do not leave Jerusalem. Do not leave Jerusalem. First things first, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What's the purpose? Well, they respond, verse 6, they gathered round him. Their response was to ask him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? So for the disciples, they were thinking, as they, their, their his, the history of Israel was that they were a nation. And they were, that they were the, the people of God. They had a physical land. They were a sovereign nation. And so for, uh, for Jesus, going to be with the Father, send the Holy Spirit. They're all thinking, when are you going to restore us? Where are you, when are you going to reinstate this nation of Israel? Jesus responds, he said to them, verse 7, It's not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. Doesn't answer the question. <laughs> Jesus so often uh, does that, just doesn't answer the question. It's, it's just like, that, that's not even the question I want you to be focusing on now. It's not for you to know the times or dates. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So these places that Jesus is talking about here, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth, this is an ever-expanding kingdom. The disciples are focused on the restoration of Israel, a small nation in the Middle East, Jesus is saying, no, my gospel must go further than that. My gospel must go out to the ends of the earth. It must reach out. There are lost people out there that I love and I want to know. And I want them to know me. That is God's heart. That's been God's heart forever. That's God's heart beats for the lost. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes shall not perish, but shall have eternal life. For God so loved the world. That's the heartbeat of God. And the disciples here were thinking locally. They were thinking about themselves. They were probably thinking about the Jewish people, not the Gentiles. Jesus is saying, no, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. This is God's heart. Revelation 7, uh, 9 says, after this, so this is John, the disciple, saying in his vision, after this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count from every nation tribe, people, and language, standing before the throne and before the Lamb. This is God's heart, an ever-expanding kingdom. And if we're to beat with God's heart, then what that looks like is to beat for the lost. It's to beat for those outside the church. It's to beat for the lost sheep, those people out there that are living their own lives separated from God, that are just 
that, that it breaks God's heart to see his sheep walking away from him. If our heart is to beat for God's, uh, for uh, what uh, God's heart beats for, it's to be heartbroken for the lost. And we need the Holy Spirit's power for that. We need the Holy Spirit's equipping and empowering to have that heart, to be softened for him. We're going we're gonna to pray in a few minutes, but I just, just want us to uh, connect some of the dots. It's, it's helpful for us to, to take, well, okay, Jesus said, go, uh, do not leave Jerusalem, but you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He said to, to his disciples and to us, go and make disciples. What does that look like for us today? What does that look like for us as individuals or as a church? Part of our vision, our reason for existing is to go in mission and service. It's to go to the lost. So Jerusalem... We can think of Jerusalem as Norwich. It's our locality. It's where we live, or uh, maybe we live just around Norwich. It's, the, it's, it's our neighbors. It's our colleagues. It's the, our family, our friends. It's the people that we spend time with. So here, Jesus is talking about a local witness. He's talking about as you go about your day, as you go about at school, as you go about at work, as you go about seeing people uh, in the neighborhood and, and neighbors and people at the school gates. He's saying, be my witnesses there. Share what Jesus has done for you. Share how Jesus makes a difference in your life. Pray for opportunities. As you're, go, as you're walking to school or getting the bus, as you're traveling to work or maybe you're at home just before a Zoom call, pray for opportunities to share the gospel. It might just be what you might call an arrow prayer. It's just shot up. It's a single sentence, but it's expressing faith that you're, you, you want God to move. And you're then looking for opportunities to see where is God moving? What is he doing? I remember just praying just before the, uh, the Christmas uh, carols that we had in the community. We had such a good time. There were people from the community that gathered to, uh, to hear the gospel uh, proclaimed, to sing some carols. It was wonderful. And just praying beforehand, Lord, bring some people from the community. And as I was standing there singing some carols, there was this guy that joined us, this guy uh, called Tom. Lived in the local community all his life, 72 years old. So he'd lived in West Earlham all his life. Got chatting to him afterwards and um, just trying to find out a bit more about him, uh, trying to connect with him. And, and he started talking about his, uh, his uh, son and daughter-in-law. Um, and I was like, oh, where do, they, where do they live? He said, Little Melton. That's where Jude and I live. We live in Little Melton. I was like, okay, Little Melton. It is little. So I was like, okay, the chances are uh, that we might actually have a connection here. And he was like, yeah, my son Aaron. I was like, is that Aaron's son and he's got a son called Jack. Jack's in Seth's class. It's like 
that's just mind-boggling to think like the connection from a little just village um, and a school and Seth's only been there less than a year and his grandson is in the same class. Just God at work, just thanking Jesus for that connection. It's, it wasn't just like, oh, I'm never ne- necessarily going to see you again, but we can follow up with that, with that connection. We can chat to uh, his kids and, and obviously, you know, Seth being a witness in that class as well. These are opportunities that God brings. So let's pray for those as we go out and about. Judea, um, so Jerusalem, Judea, this is Norfolk. We've got a vision as, as Norfolk churches and Suffolk churches to plant 20 churches in 20 years, in the next 20 years. I haven't got time to unpack that, but I'm, hopefully you've heard some of that and we'll unpack that in the coming months and years, I'm sure. And, and we'll, uh, part of that will be hopefully praying that Pouring Land will be at one of those locations as well. Samaria, so Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria. We might think of England, we might think more broadly. To the rest of the world. Steve mentioned about Ben and Sarah going, and baby Ava going to Frankfurt. This is part of the mission that God has for us. We might be a small church, a small, like looking around, it's like, well, we seem few in number. What really has God got for us? We might think, can we really achieve that much? We are part of a global vision to go and make disciples of all nations. That is what God has got for us. If you've got just a small-minded sense of like, Jesus is just about my little world and just little old me, let me encourage you. Let this series in Acts Expand your horizon for what God wants to do amongst us. He's got a global vision. He's making disciples of all nations. He goes on to say, after he said this, this verse 9, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back again, will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. Jesus is coming back again. This is why we're called to go and make disciples, because Jesus is, to, is going to have a glorious bride from every tribe, nation, and tongue. All people, types of people from all but different backgrounds, from all nations, different colors, different people, different experiences, will have been saved in different ways, but Jesus will have a beautiful bride. Let us partner together, side by side, making disciples together. We need the power of the Holy Spirit. I wonder if we're going to respond. We're going to pray for one another. Um, Why don't we stand? Joe, Eve, if you guys could come up. We're going to have opportunities throughout this series to, uh, to pray for one another, to be filled with the Spirit. 
going to do that again and again. We uh, want to encourage life group leaders to be taking opportunities in your life groups to be praying for one another, to, to be exploring that, to be asking questions. Like if you're just like, I don't know what that means or what that looks like, or can you walk me through that from the Bible, from the scriptures? We can do that together. Okay. If you, um, how should we do this? Maybe if you guys could, once you're tuned up, uh, maybe if you could just play. Um, but just, um, if you feel comfortable um, just praying with, with someone else, or maybe in a small group, um, or maybe if you don't feel comfortable, feel, feel free to pray with someone you came with, or, pr- or if you don't feel comfortable with that, pray on your own. But we're coming to God. Pray for one another to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're trusting that as we come to God in faith, that He's going to fill us with His power. That as the disciples, we'll hear more about this next week, or feel free to read ahead um, in chapter 2, where the, the power of God fell upon the disciples. And this beleaguered little group of people were filled with the Spirit, and they went out. They proclaimed the gospel. The church grew. Beautiful things happened. That's what we want to see. That's what God has called us to. So do pray for one another. It doesn't need to be anything complicated. Just say, Jesus, send your spirit. Empower so and so. Fill them. Empower them. Give them courage. Let God do the rest. God do the rest. So maybe just pray and after, after a few minutes you feel appropriate, maybe we'll sing another song. And Yeah, but do pray for one another. Let's take this time to do that now.